been thinking a little bit about skill development and skill acquirement, development, and application. In my mind, those are the three steps of acquiring a skill, developing it to the point where it's proficient, and then learning how to apply that skill in a game. I'm concerned about a trend, and I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but USA Hockey and ADM are really heavy on the rhetoric that small area games are, they're almost promoting it as if it's a, a magic bullet. You know, really, a coach doesn't really know have to know what he's doing. All he really needs to do is set up a small area game. And in fact, there's a, a line in, uh, in one of the USA Hockey manuals that says the bottom line is, let the game be the teacher. And that's in big, bold letters right there. So, you know, if, if, nobody, if you don't read anything else on the page, you'll at least see that. The bottom line is, let the game be the teacher. And <clears throat> the problem with this is that local coaches that are, you know, volunteers and maybe they don't have a hockey background, you know, we see a lot of this, especially in the smaller hockey communities. Um, they're being fed this line of let the game be the teacher. You know, it's, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing. The drills are what really teaches the players. And it's just, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, a fallacy. fallacy. It's, it's not true. You can't develop hockey properly if you don't understand the game, if you don't understand what you're looking at. And I think what really needs to be pushed um, and what really needs to be taught is that there are three phases to developing a skill. And if we go straight to the small area game, we're skipping the first two phases, jumping straight to the application. I do believe that there's benefit to small area games when they're, when they're done properly, uh, in the right circumstance, you know, choosing the right drill to match up with the players, um, to match up with the skill levels, to match up with what's already been taught in that practice. And if we do it right, it can be effective. Um, but CUSA Hockey is, is recommending... Um, you know, they like the station-based practices as well, which I have a whole different opinion on that as well. But if there's six stations, they're recommending up to three of those stations be in the small area games format. And like I said, if we're doing it that way, especially with inexperienced coaches, really we're bypassing the first two steps of the development process, which is the acquirement and development phases. So let me dive a little bit deeper into what, what is actually meant by this. So when we say acquirement, what does that actually mean? Skill acquirement. Okay, well, if we're starting with a, you know, let's say we're, we're starting with a skill. Let's say we're starting with a, a might hockey player. Um, you know, he can stand up on his own two feet, but he's not necessarily the most experienced. No, no mites are, right? There's a lot of, learn, a lot of stuff to learn at might. There's a lot of stuff to learn at any level, but we're, we're going to use Mike for the example here. Um, let's talk about forward stride. You know, Generally speaking, um, skating around in a deep knee bend is not a comfortable position. It's not a natural position for the human body to be in. So a lot of kids like to skate straight-legged. Uh, there's also a tendency for the players to not push properly at the proper angle. So maybe they're pushing straight back with straight legs, and obviously they're not going very very far very fast, okay? If we throw this player into a small area game and expect 
that skating will be learned by way of the small area game, we're wrong. Skating will be learned, but it will be sloppy skating. It will be improper skating. Nothing will be corrected in that small area game. None of the problems that are going on with this player's stride will be addressed by way of the small area game. What we really need to do is set up a situation where the players acquire the skill first. Now this is done almost, I call it almost in a vacuum. Okay, so the players are in a vacuum, meaning there's nothing else that they're focusing on other than doing that skill, doing it slowly and properly and getting the mechanics down. Okay, so we want to set up a situation where, you know, we will start with a forward stride, basic skating forward in a straight line. We want to make sure that player's got a deep knee bend. We want to make sure they're pushing off to the side at the proper angle. We want to make sure they're getting the proper recoil after each stride. We want to make sure they're not head bobbing, you know, so they're maintaining that deep knee bend the whole time. They're not coming up and down and up and down. Um, so we want to be looking at all that. We want to be look, looking at their arms, making sure their arms are coordinated with their legs, making sure that they're not um, swinging opposite to the direction that they're skating. Sometimes players get the wrong arm forward, so as they're striding with the one leg, they're, they're striding with, they're swinging with the wrong arm. So we want to take a look at all that stuff. We want to make sure that the mechanics are perfect, or at least are being the mistakes are being addressed in a vacuum situation. Okay? Now, I'm not saying the player has to be perfect before you move on to phase two. No, that's never going to happen. There's always going to be overlap in acquirement, development, and application. But what we want to do is at least lay the groundwork for what that proper stride should look like. We want to at least make sure that those players have seen what a proper stride should look like. We want to at least make sure that the players understand what are the key points that they need to be focusing on in order to perform that proper stride. Okay? Once we've worked on enough, you know, enough time and enough attention on the acquirement phase, we could move into the development phase. Basically, the development phase is now applying those skills in a game-like pattern. Okay, so taking that forward stride and putting it in a situation where um, they would be using it in a game. A really simple example of this is to go half speed to the blue line and then explode and go full speed all the way in. From the, from the near blue line all the way in. Why is that a development tactic? Well, because they're working on that slow, powerful, mechanically correct stride to the blue line, and then at the blue line, they kick it into full gear, and the objective is to maintain the same technique that was looking good at half speed, keep that same technique as they're going full speed. Um, you know, as you get more complex and different skills, you can, you know, there's other ways of doing this as well. For example, the, the simple pattern of a breakout. You know, taking the puck, skating it behind the net, making a pass to the winger on the boards, and then breaking out down the ice. And there's different ways. I won't, you know, this isn't a drill sound bite. This is a, an example here. But basically, executing the skill in a game-like pattern with no pressure. Okay, so nobody's still, still, nobody's trying to take the puck off you. Nobody's trying to mess you up, whatever you're doing but you're utilizing the skill that you just acquired and now putting it into a game situation. That's stage number two, development. Once you've worked a little bit of time in there and the patterns are starting to get established, you know, the players are starting to understand the patterns that recur in the games and how to utilize their skills within those patterns and how to make it all happen, bring it all together. Now you can move into the application phase. 
Now, the application phase can be a small area game, but it doesn't have to be. In fact, I prefer to go one step earlier before jumping to the, to the small area game. Um, so, for example, if we're using the breakout scenario, now instead of just executing a breakout, what we'll do is we'll take and execute a breakout with a four checker. Okay, so just one four checker it doesn't have to be a five on five situation yet. Just allow somebody to put some pressure on the defensemen that are trying to break the puck out. We want to see if they can still maintain their skill, still maintain the acquirements. So, you know, a lot of times what you see is you see players that look really good in practice. You know, they're, they're smooth, they're good stick handlers, they're good passers. But then as soon as you put a little bit of pressure on them, as soon as you have the, the risk of being hit on them for the older players, right? As soon as there's a risk of being checked, all of a sudden they tense up, they straighten up their knees, they can't handle the puck nearly as well, they become choppy and, and awkward instead of smooth and, and silky, right? And so that's what we want to do. We want to gradually add pressure. So we want to put a forechecker on those defensemen, see if they can still break out the puck, see if they can still maintain their skills while under pressure. And then once we've progressed it through to that, now, now is where small area games can be effective in my mind. But see, the problem with USA Hockey and ADM's recommendations is they're jumping straight to the application phase with this rhetoric that the application phase is what's actually going to teach the players all these other skills that they need. And it's just, it's, it's flat out not possible. And I'm not just saying this theoretically. I've seen it in action the past four years with my own kids' development. And I want to just say, small area games can are useful and can be useful in certain situations. But we need to draw the distinction between acquirement, development, and application of the skills. So once we get to the point where the players are ready to apply these skills in, in game-like pressure... We use the small area game to combine the patterns with the pressure. We want to combine the game-like patterns with the game-like pressure and set up a structured game where the players will be seeing these situations and be able to react to them. And hopefully utilize the skills that you functioned, that you worked on, that you were trying to get up to par. So like I said, there's going to be some overlap, and I want to make sure that that's clear. There's overlap in the different phases. Um, there's overlap from practice to practice. Usually what happens is you introduce a skill, you develop it, you give them a chance to apply it all within one practice, and you see how it goes. And then most likely the next practice, you're going to be jumping straight back into that same skill that you were introducing in the first place, except now you may, might take it a little bit, you know, a step further. You know, now instead of just a forward stride, basic stuff, now maybe you're going to do forward stride with a puck on their stick. Okay, so you begin combining skills. But this is what I'm talking about. This is where I, I feel like we're missing the boat on our coaching instruction. It's, it's almost like we're, we're saying it's too hard to teach a coach the game, so let's just teach them a system of development that they really don't know how need to know what they're doing. They just need to implement the system. And I'm telling you, it's not, it's not a successful long-term strategy. We are better off investing that time into our coaches and teaching our coaches how to coach, teaching our coaches how to recognize, diagnose, and correct problems with basic skills. 
we're much better off because especially at those young ages, that's where the game is learned. That's where all the habits are created, both good and bad. And we have such an opportunity to take these kids and really help them to get a head start in the game. But we're not teaching our coaches proper, proper coaching tactics. Instead, we're just saying, hey, just set up six stations. Each coach runs a station. Make three of the stations a small area game. And then even with the best planning, there's not enough continuity from station to station because the coaches aren't following the kids from station to station. So there might be a really good coach at station one that is really on top of Johnny to get his deep knee bend, you know, make sure he's got a proper knee bend and a proper stride going. Then as soon as that whistle blows after eight minutes and the, they rotate stations, will coach two reinforce that same thing that coach one just spent eight minutes working on? Maybe, maybe not. I've seen personally, I've seen it not happen. In, in fact, I would, I'd go as far as to say it doesn't happen more often than it happens. More often than not, we're dropping the ball from station to station. We're not catching the stuff that the, that the previous coach was working on. And uh, it's an interesting development challenge. But I do want to make clear the point of this soundbite is we need to distinguish among the three phases of development, acquirement, development, application are three separate things. There will be overlap. They can be overlapped. But you can't put the, the, the cart before the horse by jumping straight to small area games. And that's unfortunately, that's what we're doing with uh, most of these ADM-style practices. So hopefully that's helpful for you. Take it for what it's worth. If it hits home, I recommend talking to your organization administrator, whoever that is, whoever schedules and plans the practices. Um, because we're doing our kids a disservice by skipping important steps of the development process. As always, that's my two cents worth. Hopefully it helps. Take care and we'll talk again soon.